This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Wood from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It's that wonderful time again. It's the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are here live in studio. Then we recorded at 1600 Buck Slayer Place right in the Bucketorium. This is Steve. I'm at Kurt's house. It's me and you, buddy. It's Just me and, me and you. you. Man, we're in, it's a beautiful day out here in Sherrard, Illinois, man. I'm going to have to shut this window behind me because Steve's already looking out the window. <laughs> Look at the little kid. I told you I wouldn't. Kurt's like, do I need to shut that window? Are you going to be able to pay attention? We get two seconds into it. I'm already looking out the window. So yeah, go ahead and shut that. But uh, yeah, we've got a uh, we've got an awesome episode for you lined up today. Pre warning: it's uh, it's Clint Casper, so you know things are going to get wild. We're going to try and wrangle him in. I don't know how well that's going to happen, but stranger things have happened. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll get rolling. We could not do this podcast without uh, without our good friends at Elite Archery. Check out EliteArchery.com. Follow. Yeah, Elite's awesome. Um, we did just did that video. Elite put me on their Facebook. Yeah, about they did. My, I made the switch video, which is awesome. Uh, we shared it as well. So get on there and check that out. Shoot my tempo, all pretty in slow motion. Shout out for to uh, Whisperwood Outdoors for helping us with that. Our good buddies over there. Um, but yeah, shooting the Elite. 
We're loving them. Um, also, our HHAs, loving those as well. None of us have the rest yet, but I'm hoping that happens. <clears throat> but uh, that's coming up. Check out HHA, uh, Scent Crusher, of course. Uh, the Ozone Go is, is a big thing. And uh, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing, sure. man. We're, uh, <clears throat> we're still working on getting him on. We keep talking about it. Uh, one of these days, he's going to be like, all right, I'm ready to go. It's right, hectic we'll get right back now. On. So... You know how it is. We're working with a uh, weird schedule. Um, I'm traveling for work. I'll be back in Idaho uh, this week. Once this gets aired, I'll be in Idaho. So if you're out there, uh, give us a shout. And uh, I don't know, maybe I might get some downtime and meet up. And I won't have a bow to shoot. So if you got something you want to do or whatever, if you're out in that area, I don't know exactly where I'll be. Pocatello area, maybe. Maybe not. Um, pillows. But thanks to everyone that uh, sponsors the podcast and then listens. And real quick. If you, you're listening to this podcast and you haven't, um, one way to really help us keep this podcast going, um, and it helps with whatever we do on the business aspect of the podcast, if you haven't, go to iTunes, and if you could do, just subscribe, give us a rating. Um, if you listen through the website, that's fine. Um, you can't really uh, give a rating there, but go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere you listen. All the links are on workingclassboner.com. If you just take a second out of your day, Write us a review, share us on Facebook, anything you can do to help us. That that really makes a big difference and goes a long way with us. Um, so we'd really appreciate it if you did that. Also, workingclassboner.com in our store, we have the new Go Shoot Your Bow shirt. If you haven't seen that yet, it's my favorite shirt that we've ever put out. Um, another big shout-out to our boys at Whisperwood Outdoors. It says, Go Shoot Your Bow in big letters. And then inside the letters of Go Shoot Your Bow, we have like the archery indoor five-spot target. Um, we have the a 3D target. I think there's a block target. And I have the block target started in there. There's a 3D target, deer target. We have a single pin uh, sight in one of them. We have an elk, a turkey, and a deer. And all like it's it's really cool. It covers all aspects of archery and bow hunting in that shirt. So yeah, check, it, looks check really it out. Good. <coughs> so and while you're uh, after you get done uh, buying a shirt, head over to Dark Horse Lodge. Uh, .org. Go ahead and check them out. They're a combat. It's going to be a peaceful retreat for combat vets. So what they're trying to build is a place for you know the combat vets who went and served our country can go there, go hang out, eventually be able to fish, hunt, relax, catch up with buddies, have the time that they deserve. So you can donate at darkhorselodge.org. They're all over social media. If you're going to Amazon, smile.amazon. It's the same thing. Sign up. You can select them portion of the proceeds are going to go to dark horse lodge after you select them you don't have to pay anything extra so support our vets while not you know that doesn't take any time out of your day yeah it really doesn't but anyway thanks, thanks everyone for listening i'm just realized i'm like mouth breathing like i'm all stuffed up and it sounds horrible in the mic for me right now yeah <laughs> so i opened up a yingling so it's what is it 11 11 30 depends on what time you're listening to this podcast land it could be five o'clock um, it's five o'clock somewhere. But Clint, this episode we're going to talk uh, a lot about season prep. It's getting that time of year. Hopefully. Well, he's going to talk a lot, and we're going to ask a couple questions and turn them loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, hopefully, you got your trail cams out. You know, if you got some big deer that you're willing to share, <laughs> or uh, you don't have to tell us where they're at, but we'll share them up, send them in, and uh, don't forget we have the trophy room on our website. So if yep. you have something you want to. Put up in the trophy room. Normally, we ask that just subscribe and write us a review somewhere, and we'll put you in the trophy room. 
that being said, I think we should get Clint on here and just kind of turn him on, turn him loose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, look out. Um, it's full throttle. There could be some dating tips at the end of this episode, too, by the way. So pay attention, everyone. All right. We love you. Here's Clint. All right. So uh, strap yourselves in. We got Clint. Again, we're just going to turn him loose. Clint Casper, how you doing? Doing good, fellas. How we doing today? Oh, dude, you're disappointing me, man. I was hoping you were going right into it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't just go full throttle. Oh, wait, yeah, I can, yeah, I can. I guess I can go full throttle every single time. Ne- never mind, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, so? What's been new since the last time we uh, we talked to you? I believe you went on a uh, went on a hunt. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in. Uh, went to Montana, hunted with my good buddy uh, Brian Barney um, with uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, and uh, ran around Montana for like nine days. Man, changed flights. I was supposed, only supposed to be there like six days. Ended out there like nine, chasing bears around with our bows on public land. I mean, it was great. I mean, fun. Uh, you know, just typical out west stuff. Spot and stock. A lot of glassing. 15, 20 miles a day, you know, walking and, and uh, you know, chasing them around, uh, passed up a few smaller bears and whatnot and chased a few big ones around and did end up uh, scoring. But, I mean, it's, you know, just another another trip out there in the mountains, more experience gained. I mean, Brian's, a, you know, I've talked to you guys about him before, just a wealth of knowledge. So, I mean, anytime I get to hook up with, you know, guys like him, I mean, it's great to pick up you know tools of the trade and tips of the trade from them guys and and whatnot so i mean yeah i can't wait to go back uh, i should draw an antelope tag so i should be back in the middle of august uh we're gonna go out and do some uh hunting and some filming together and uh try to get a couple killed with our bows so yeah hopefully fingers crossed i should find out at the end of this month if i get that tag but um with you know the points i got i should be in pretty good shape to gr- draw that so yeah looking forward to it definitely a uh um badass state to hunt no doubt i mean beautiful country and just so many animals out there i mean just everything i mean just name one from white tails to freaking bears elk i mean muleys they got about every you know everything i mean mountain goats bighorn sheep i mean you know you name it it's there so it's a uh definitely a spot that every bow hunter needs to get into and and, and hunting and that's for sure i know i mean i need to start build. i built some points but i just haven't you got to create the budget to just do like uh, to buy points and preference points and your all those points. I've I've heard a lot of guys saying to do that, like get a credit card and put nothing but all your yep. points and then pay that shit yep. off. Yep, absolutely. That's what I do. Yep, absolutely. That's I need that to is, do that, but it's it scares me at the same time to do that sh- type of shit. Yeah. But it'd be it'd be well worth it in the end. Oh, it is. That's I mean that's the ticket. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, the more points you build, the more you know, in, in some states you can you can draw really good over the counter stuff, but a lot of the states, you know, they want you to play that point game and you know, I mean it just Colorado, I mean I cashed in basically all my points going bigger going home. For Muley's uh here um, on the tag I drew this year, you know, I cashed in uh I think it was three points or three or no, it might have been four, um, on the unit I drew this year, so you know, I mean, so, I mean, you just got to roll the dice, but it makes it nice whenever every year you've got a, a state that's you got a bunch built up. Like next year, I'll probably hit Utah pretty hard. I got quite a few points built up for elk and muleys out there, and I'll probably get out there with Skyler and Nicole and 
just hunting um, with them and whatnot. And got to get, get those guys on a podcast, Clint. Man, you got to pull know, through for just, me. I was just talking to her yesterday. Uh, yeah, well, we talk like all the time. Me and Nicole and Skyler, we're always you know texting and talking. But I was just telling her the other day. I was like, don't think. I was like, for one minute, we forgot. I'm like, we will get your ass on a podcast. And this is me calling her out again. And I know I, I Skyler. I'm not worried about. I know I can get Skyler, but nobody's got Nicole yet. And I've already, and, and, and I know there's other podcasts out there that are trying to, you know, trying to crack that egg. And I told her, I said, I'll tell you right now, I'm like working class bow hunter. We will be the first podcast that gets a hold of you. And I don't know. I just don't know if that's my thing. I'm like, look, if you want to come out here and hunt whitetails with me and I mean, Skylar's coming too. So it, you know, the way I look at it is I can put Skylar on a 170 and I can let Nicole shoot does. And I told her that. I said, it, it, it's a simple. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Using that, I'm using that as motivation. That's awesome. No, I mean, like we've had phone conversations about what the industry is doing and there's some awesome female hunters out there and there's a lot yep. of Instagram hunters out there and she, she's the real fucking deal. And that's like, I'm like, dude, we oh, got to yeah. get her on, man. Cause that's the yep, type of people absolutely. and women we want to support in the industry is like, just excuse my French, just bad bitches getting out there, getting after it, you know, <laughs> bad bitches getting out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, For real and that, yeah. and you know, like what's cool about, what's cool about her and Skylar both is, they don't put themselves out there to the point where like, unless you're good friends with them or you follow, like they've got a vlog and, um, they do a bunch of YouTube stuff. I mean, they put out some badass footage and some badass vlogs and stuff, but unless you really know them or you follow them hardcore, you'll never see them really promote themselves, which for them, it's a bad thing, but their image though, it's badass because they just do whatever they do. And they don't care, you know, about publicity or about anything like that. But I've told them a million times, I'm like, if you guys want to get big in the industry, which they both are capable of being rock well, She's stars, got a ton I'm of like, followers gotta, already on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you got to put yourselves out there. And, you know, Nicole's always like, yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm just not big with words. I'm, you know, I'm more of a kind of all show and, and no go type of deal. I'm like, yeah, but. You have a wealth of, I mean, she just turned 21, literally. Nicole is 21 years old, and that chick would run circles around the showboaters that are in their 30s and 40s that, excuse my French, but have a big set of boobs and are out there running around saying, I'm a badass female hunter, when realistically, that girl at 21 years old knows more, does more, will show you more and teach you more than, I'm going to say, 90% of your icon female chicks that are out there making big time money on sponsorships on commercials on tv shows i mean this chick is doing everything on public ground by herself i mean there's no you know that she's the she's the real deal like you said she really is the real deal and i'm, I'm pumped to get them on i know i'm gonna get her on i just told her hey you got to crack out of that that shell get on a podcast and just go with it and i really think it'll be a good time i think show up fun I think everybody will have a good time. Like I said, I'm not worried about Skylar, but um, yeah, we're we're gonna crack that code with her. I mean, this <laughs> is the second time now we're calling her out, so she really she can't really avoid us too much longer. I'm, no. I mean, she just we'll get can't. Skylar on, and then she'll have to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's got to because then I mean, you know, then it's the battle between 
So what you're saying, Nicole, is that Skylar's just more badass than you. And I know she's not going to let me say that. She's not going to let people think that because, I mean, you know, Nicole's, I mean, she's pretty big badass too. But, I mean, if Skylar's getting way ahead of her, I mean, you know, they both, just became, yeah, they both just became uh, Sitka ambassadors, which is, is super cool and, and proud of both of them and happy that they was able to, you know, get that down. That's kind of like a big break for both of them. So super pumped about that. But, uh, and uh, speaking about super pumped, I need to throw out the uh, big congrats myself to uh, Kurt and Sam on that uh, that that beautiful wedding that they had. I mean, I know Thank you, you Sam. know, well, I know Sam looked absolutely stunning. But I'll tell you what, that Kurt guy. I mean, what an absolute panty dropper! I mean, just in <laughs> pictures, just in pictures. I mean, I was just like, wow. I mean, I don't know where, he, where where he's at right now, but I'm ready to drive there and meet him. So, I mean, I can only imagine what all the other women in the world were thinking. I mean, this is coming from me. So, I can't even imagine what, you know, the Miranda Lamberts and Carrie Underwoods, Underwoods of the world were thinking. I mean, it's, you know. Uh, Sam's you know, got a lot of hate mail, man. She's got oh, a yeah. lot of hate mail. Well, and, and, you know, just for all the viewers out there, I mean, and the listeners and whatnot, I mean, just a little bit of, of, of background, I mean, you know, Sam and I, Sam and I were pretty much, you know, high school sweethearts and, uh, I had a great life planned. And then I met Steve and he kind of pulled me away from her and then she met Kurt. So, you know, it's, it, I mean, we're all back to being friends. There's no, there's no rivalries now. We're it's a all true friends story, and, actually. Yeah. I had to show him the good life. I said, you can't be held down I, just by one. Got to have multiple. I, well, you got to yeah. have options. You got to build up point. You got to build up point systems. All right, so, so well, guys, and, 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 you got to build up point I'm, systems with ladies. So you know, if you want to go to yeah. one, you got to cash in your point systems and keep yes. building points with others. Yes, and I'm 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 happy that you brought up that point because that that's where I was going to go with this. I mean, I pretty much had cashed all my points, but one with Sam, and then all of a sudden Steve comes around, and I'm just like, oh my god, you know, I got one point left. I'm going to go big or go home with that one point and try to kill a 200-incher. And it just so happened that, you know, Steve was the one. So now, <laughs> well, hey, you, know, you know, happily together. And, me, and you know, and now Steve's back into working out and he's lifting. And we're, I mean, it's just, it's, it's worked out great for me. It worked out good for Kurt. worked out great for Sam. So everybody's happy. I mean, <laughs> you know, and now we have the podcast and the blog. And, and hey, we're pretty much a bunch of badasses. So it's all worked out great. <laughs> we're a big happy family again. But uh, that's right. Thank you for the congratulations. And what I want to do now, you mentioned the blog. Yeah, I love that Clint Casper humor, man. You bring it every oh, episode. It's classic. It's awesome. So I want to switch. Like first, I want you to mention the blog because um, people need to check that out. That just went well. It's been out for a week by the time this episode's released. Yes. So uh, workingclassboner dot com. Go to the main menu. There's the blog in there. It's a top one, Montana bound. That's Clint Casper runs the Camo Collar blog. Um, I don't know if you even want to talk about it too much on the episode, or if you just want people to go there and read it. And um, it, they're always good reads, man. It's I like I personally like reading them. Um, and then you got great photos that go along with it to kind of paint the picture to the story mm-hmm. as you're reading. Um, and I would say like a lot of like people are like oh, I'm blogging, like I don't read the blog. But if you're at break and work and can't watch a video, it's like the perfect thing to get you jacked up. Um, I love them, man. So I appreciate you doing all that for us. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I love doing them. And I mean, it, it you know, I just like kind of adding a little bit of extra flavor to the whole deal. I mean, the, the podcasts and whatnot are, I mean, always have been, always will be badass. I just thought with the blogs, you know, we try to, you know, key in on sometimes it might be like an adventure story. The next time it might be tips and tactics. It might be, uh, we got a 
really cool one that we're actually going to uh, start working on here this month. We're going to um, talk about, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 different people that everybody out there that's a big time bow hunter should be following on social media, um, guys and girls. Um, you know, so it, it just, it just kind of adds a whole nother flavor to, to the whole, you know, the working class bow hunter. Um, like you said, it's something you can kind of read and got some pictures and, you know, I kind of take everybody on my little adventures and just kind of try to, you know, paint the picture of what we're doing and, and what, you know, working class bow hunters doing and, and, you know, just kind of almost give somebody a, a good read, whether you're sitting on the shitter in the morning or you're at work on break. I mean, it, you know, it or usually I try to at the shitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or that, this is true too, you know, and it just a uh, little bit of added flavor. And, you know, we appreciate the uh, responses and comments. I always tell people, you know, hey, man, leave, you know, leave us a comment or, you know, tell us what you think. And, you know, it's always good to have topic of conversation um, on the blogs and whatnot. And we got some good stuff coming up, tips and tactics. And as hunt season gets rolling, you know, we're going to kind of gear more towards the tips and tactics versus just, you know, kind of adventure and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's been about, I don't know, five or six months that we've, you know, had it out and whatnot. So, yeah, excited to see where it goes, and I'm sure it'll grow right along with, you know, the podcast and whatnot. And it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun just to kind of see what all what all happens in the future with it. So yeah, I can't uh, can't thank you guys enough for uh, giving me that opportunity. Well, hey, you know the the pleasure's all ours, but um, you know we want to we want to pick your brain a little bit in case someone's not sold on what you know something they can find in the blog. We want to pick your brain here. What uh, you know, changing gears. What have you been doing? this season as far as you know your 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 deer management program you know let's let's talk about what you're doing right now to prepare for the upcoming deer season yeah this changes the podcast straight into like we're getting into where you can listen from here on out to the end of this episode I mean, we're going to throw in some tidbits here and there yeah, yeah. to um we're getting back into the serious prep yourself for bow season the whitetails in the midwest and uh clint's our guy for it man so take her away clint yeah yeah, no, thank you guys. Absolutely. Uh, pretty much, you know, starting out every year, um, you know, I, I, everybody knows I'm a big guy on, you know, on, on having feed for them all throughout the winter, whether it's, you know, beans, corn, putting minerals out. Uh, I run cameras pretty much year round. So, you know, taking us into like right now where we're at, um, pretty much for me, I'm doing a lot of in season, um, you know, scouting. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, I'm going to call in season as seasons in, you know, right now. I mean, a lot of guys call this off season to me, this is, this is in season. This is the most crucial, critical part, um, of what hunting season is going to be is, is pretty much right now for me. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you got your bucks that are going to be say hitting bean fields or alfalfa fields, or, you know, they're out and about, um, you know, they're, they're not afraid to get in front of a trail cam and get pictures taken. Um, they're in full velvet by now you can kind of see, uh, for the most part, who's going to be a shooter, who's not. So, you know, I do a lot of glassing in fields during this time of year, uh, here in Ohio, a lot of bean field stuff, a lot of alfalfa field stuff. Um, you know, basically just trying to see what's around, um, who got bigger from last year, what new bucks have shown up. Um, you know, I, I always have a few bucks that kind of move in year to year that surprise me that I've never seen before or bucks that made that big jump from, you know, four to five or five to six or whatever it may be. 
So I'm kind of trying to key in on, you know, uh, and build a hit list basically just see, you know, who's around and, and what I've got. Uh, I do a lot of, a lot of trail cams. Um, I think right now I've got 13 or 14 out and I'm a big fan of working, um, from the outside in. I don't, you know, I don't like right now to me, there's no point in, in diving down in the woods, uh, disturbing bedding areas. I mean, all your deer are focused on food right now. So a lot of them aren't even bedding that far off food sources. So, you know, to go travel a hundred yards down in the woods, to check a camera or to replace batteries or even put a camera up. I mean, your chances are you're blowing deer out. Um, in my opinion, there's just, there's just no reason to do it. So I'm, I'm pretty much working all field edges, all the edges of food plots, um, very, you know, low impact, low stress. You can go in on a Saturday at noon. You know, I, 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 everyone that's listened to you know my podcast or read anything that I've written about hunting, you know, mature bucks knows I'm a wind freak. So I do play the wind, even when I'm checking cameras, even during this time of the year. Um, I go in on, on a day when the wind's right for me to where I'm not letting deer know I'm even checking a camera, but you know, regardless, I'm, I'm playing the, uh, I'm playing the camera game hard. I mean, and I run minerals, you know, trophy rocks. I mean, here in Ohio, you're allowed to bait. I mean, I know a lot of guys that, you know, whether you like it or you don't, you know, they run corn or they run soybeans or they run. And I mean, it's a great way to get inventory, get pictures. Um, you know, there again, you can kind of build your hit list and see what's going on. But starting towards the end of this month, I really start to pay attention to, uh, moon phase and and uh, again a lot of the you know listeners are gonna you know they hear me always talk about you know the weather and, and wind in the moon phase i start to pay attention to uh the moon phase and um you know i really love those those red uh the the red moon nights i mean when the sun is setting and the moon's rising i mean both in the same sky i mean that that just has a really really big gravitational pull on deer and gets them up off their feet feeding earlier and, um, I start to really mark, um, I always keep like a little journal on the bucks I'm hunting on nights that they're in front of my cameras in daylight. I will mark down every night that they do that, the wind direction, um, temperature in the moon phase. And I mean, I'll start right now, I'll start to build a pattern and start to come up with a game plan on how to kill these bucks that first week of season. I'm a huge, huge early season guy that first week, um, for us in Ohio this year, I think it's like the 26th, 27th, something like that, September. Oh, really? I, um, I thought but, it was all October yep. 1st, just like Iowa, Illinois. No, last year it was the 24th, I believe. Yeah, because I killed – yeah, I'm pretty – I think – yep, I think oh, yeah. I think last year was the 24th. Um, ours is always the last Saturday in September, so however that falls. Sometimes it's like the 24th, 23rd. Sometimes it's like the 30th, 29th. You know, it just depends on how the day falls. But – um. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, well, just thinking back, uh, let's see, my four out of my five, yeah, four out of my five biggest bucks I've either killed in September or early October. So, I mean, I just, I mean, I've, I've almost lived and died the last few years. Um, in the exception would be 2015 season. I didn't right. kill my buck till December, but outside of that, it's been all September, October. I mean, I've just had a really good stretch. See, and that's um, interesting because a lot of guys are like, you know, you think about the rut, no, late October, October 25th through the second yep. week of November. And yep. are, are you the guy that if someone came up to you and they were like, Clint, listen here, man, I need help. I got 
three days of vacation. When am I going to take my days? Would you sure. would you recommend for those guys to do early season, or would you say, well, if you've done your homework, do it early season, yeah. but if you haven't, take it November? Is that accurate? Well, I mean, for here's what I'm going to say about early season, and and this is what, in my opinion, separates your you know uh, your, your your big time bow hunters that get it done every year, and your your guys that just go out and hope they kill a big one early season and late season the the ingredient to success is in plain words busting your ass because in both early and late season you're focused on food you're focused on a pattern you've got to figure out that pattern no big buck is going to walk up to your front door leave you a note that says hey guess what every time the wind's out of the north on this moon phase and when the when a weather front's coming in, I'm going to hit this field early because I'm only betting 150 yards off this bean field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so to the guy that's only got three days, if, if if he put in the work and he knows what a buck's doing, and he has a really really good feeling that because of you know doing his homework and doing his research, this buck might show himself in daylight the first week. A, a couple times, I'm going to say absolutely 110% burn your days and try to kill that deer early. Cause here's the deal. Picture yourself, you know, you're, you're 23 years old. You're single. You tell your buddies you're heading to this bar, but guess what? You go to that bar and there's no hotties there, but you heard across the street, there might be three or four. Guess where you're going. You're going to go over there. And then if those hotties move, down the road two miles, guess where you're going? You're going down the road two miles. That's the rut. There is no pattern in the rut. Right. So you're big, you know, you're that big may buck. Be, that, Clint, that may be the realest shit that's like ever been laid out. Like that's the easiest way you could lay that out. Oh, every, yeah. Every I time mean, we do that, man, it's women at bar. That's bars. That's how we talk about deer movement, well, man. I'm just, and, 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 you know, I mean, I'm coming from, you know, like, own experience and being single and being, I, I can remember, you know, telling my buddies whenever I, you know, I was in college. Yeah. I'm going to be at the, uh, the, um, you know, whatever bar they get there and they're like, where are you at, dude? I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I met this, this Tiffany girl. And she said, <laughs> Hey, come meet, come meet me and my friends. We're going across town. Well, guess what? I'm going across town and then they go across town and they're like dude where are you at i'm like well they were hungry they wanted to go to bw freeze i'm drinking a beer at bw freeze and then we're gonna head to the y tavern okay we'll meet you there i mean i don't know where i'm going i'm following them i mean if they tell me they're going to <laughs> egypt i'm going to egypt i mean i don't know i mean <laughs> my mind's focused on one thing and it's sure as hell not telling you exactly where i'm at i mean it's just not where i'm focused on and, and the rut <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, you know, now, now put yourself in, in the, you know, put yourself in a, in a buck's shoes. You're a five and a half year old breeder buck. You, you kind of run the show around this farm. If you're with a hot doe and she decides to go two miles west and then one mile south and then head back north, guess where you're going? You're going two miles west, one mile south, then back north. I mean, that's just how it works. Right. And for, you know, for the, for the guy that only has three days, and if he's got a buck patterned or he's hunting a specific buck and he's got a good idea, I'm going to say go big or go home early because they are on a pattern. Now, right. if you have no homework done and you really you know, don't know 
what bucks are what, then I'm going to say roll your dice and go hunt a funnel. Uh, you know, go hunt a, a good funnel in November or go hunt um, the, downwind, the downwind side of a really good bedding area that you know a bunch of does are staying in. And I'm going to say roll your dice and play that card and hope a big deer comes by. You know, it's going to be 50-50. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you've got something patterned and you've got something figured out, um, I love early season. I mean, like, 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 well, just like last year. I mean, last year's buck, my biggest to date, extra. I mean, starting in July, he was on a strict pattern. And there were times where he moved off um, when Apple started to drop, um, when the neighbor guy, he's got some apples and some pear trees. When they started to drop, that deer disappeared for seven or eight days. I mean, not a picture. And instead of freaking out, I just kind of took a step back and said, okay, acorns are dropping right now. I know apples are getting ripe right now. I know pears. You know, I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to stay calm. We're going to still hunt this deer with the, with the game plan that I, that I laid out. And let's hope that he returns back to what he was normally doing. Once he gets a taste of those treats that are dropping right now. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, that's what he did, you know, but my point is, is I mean, the homework was done. I knew what that buck was doing. I knew where he was bedding. I knew pretty much where he liked to feed and, and where he liked to bed. So for me, it was go big or go home early and hunt that deer because it, in, in November, dude, who knows where that buck's going to be? I right, mean, your right. guess is as good as mine. He could be five miles away. He might stay in that woods for a day and then be gone for seven. I mean, you know, I play that rut game just as hard as the next guy and hunt morning till dark, day after day after day after day after day. But, you know, you might see a buck on a Wednesday and hunt that farm for the next 10 days straight and not see him again, but then on the 11th day he's back. I mean, it just depends on, you know, what does are in heat and where they go and where he ended up. I mean, who knows, you know. But Right, right. Well, I got a question you know, for you, Clint. Then talking about all this is like kind of how you said he stayed calm. You, he was on that pattern. You were expecting him to, you know, you knew the, this food's yeah. dropping. He went off his pattern. He's going to hopefully come back yep. on his pattern. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of guys who hunt small farms. Me, especially right now, I'm hunting basically yep. 30 acres is what I have. And our listeners yep. have heard me yep. say I lost all my hunting ground last year. I cried for a yep. week straight. It just, I'm dealing with it, whatever. So yep. there's a lot of guys that can probably relate with me that have cameras out. And I have a lot of cameras for a small property. And I don't, I'm not going to put them all out because I feel like right. you can put a lot of pressure out with cameras but uh so say like i had like a big buck come in and velvet and you know i had one or two pictures and he was gone and then in like early and late october a big like monster buck would come in and that's all i'd get of him and i'd have cameras and no patternable pictures um really nothing to base off of to try and get a pattern on him what's what's your opinion kind of or a, a tip that you could give our listeners and, and me that you like what to do in a situation like that, or, or is that just kind of the buck exploring and random and he's gone? I got quite a few small farms um, here you know, in Ohio, and what I've learned is almost every year it seems like it's different, and almost every buck it seems like it's different. Um, you know, one year you might have a buck move in that loves that, let's say, 40 acres. I mean, he calls that home. He's there. That's his core area. He doesn't like to leave a whole lot. So, you know, your early season hunting is going to be good. Um, you know, he's kind of giving you uh, uh, the cards to play 
you know, um, against him. But there's other years where I've hunted these same farms and you have the sporadic couple pictures here, couple pictures there. And for me, what that's telling me is two things. Number one, it's telling me that, that, that this buck does not call this, uh, probably doesn't call it his core area. Mm-hmm. So he's probably bedding off that farm somewhere, but, but he's moving through. He is spending some time there. Uh, he feels comfortable enough to hang out there. Uh, you're getting some pictures of him. Now, once, once velvet, um, comes off, you know, every buck's 50, 50. I mean, uh, you're going to have some bucks move in. You're going to have some bucks leave patterns, change things change. So, you know, like in your case with, uh, pictures here, pictures there, I'm going to say that farm is used by like that buck or, or maybe just mature bucks in general as uh, a transition farm, a farm that deer move through and they might stay a night. They might stay a day or two and then they're gone for a couple. Uh, they bed here, they bed there. So the way I would hunt that farm is, you know, roll the dice on the nights when the wind is right, um, for, for, you know, your stand locations and whatnot, and kind of have an educated guess on where deer are going to be coming and going from. And those types of farms, I love to hunt in the rut because those are farms that, that, you know, those bucks have felt comfortable moving through. You've gotten pictures. Now they're not consistent enough to say, okay, this deer's here four or five nights a week. Let's go try to kill You know, we know he's going to be in here, uh, at some point this week. No, it's not that detailed, but from, from what you've gathered, that buck does feel comfortable being on that farm. So now in the rut, all it takes is a hot doe to, pull to through there. run by, uh, Exactly. Or, or flip side, he comes through there just trying to find a hot doe because he does feel safe going through that farm and he does know it's okay for him to move through there. Now he might not stay, but he's cool with working that, you know, working that wood lot or working that farm and looking for does. And don't think that when he was there in the summertime, he didn't recognize where the does were, where they were staying, what's going on. I mean, you know, let's be honest. You've got a girlfriend, you're 21, you're at a bar. Don't tell me while you're at that bar, you're not scoping out what's going on. Oh man, there's a lot of girls here. I'm not saying that you're sitting there eye pumping every one of them, but, or at least you're not going to admit that, but, pumping. but, you know, but you're, you're aware of your surroundings and what's going on. Okay. So now let's, let's flash forward eight months. You're single. Guess what? You're going to remember that bar. You're going to remember what was going on you're like hey dude i'm single now round up two of your buddies and you're like let's go to this bar i know from experience there was way more girls than guys and there was some good looking girls there guess what let's go well don't think that these bucks in in the summertime whenever they move through areas and what i mean don't think that they don't realize hey there wasn't a lot of pressure i didn't get bumped just because they don't stay there doesn't mean they don't feel comfortable it's just they've got a better place you know, they have a better place to call home and call their core area, right. but they've, they've been through there. They know what's there. So I in November, pump and does. Well, yeah, I pump and does. And so in November, all it takes is for that buck to have a girlfriend for two days and then lose it. You know, he breeds her and says, okay, it's time to go to the next one. Who's to say he's not going to come right through the funnel on that 30 acres looking for a hot doe. And there you are sitting in the center and you smoke him at 28 yards. I mean, so right. those types of farms, you know, one of my best rut farms to date is a farm that I never hunt early and late 
because literally I could not tell you a year where I had consistent mature buck pictures in the summertime or in the late winter of a, of a good one. None. I mean, literally it, it might be random at best, but a lot of years there is nothing there in the summer, nothing there in the winter, but during the rut, they move through it because there's a big creek bottom that snakes down through this. It's a, it's a 47 acre piece surrounded by field. There's a big creek bottom snakes that snakes down through it on both sides of the property. There's two big ridges and the one side's got a big saddle. Those bucks come up over that saddle. They get down in that creek bottom and they either head left or they head right, depending on the wind. And they scent check that entire wood while staying hidden down in that creek bottom. So naturally, right at the bottom of that saddle, where, where, where that saddle would actually come up over and meet that creek bottom, I got a stand. I, I can't, there's been days where I've sat in that tree and seen 17, 18 different bucks. Kid you not, swear on my son's life, swear on Easton, there's been days where I have literally seen 40, 50 deer during the rut, 18 different bucks coming through that, you know, up over that saddle down in that creek bottom because there was does in heat. They knew there was a bunch of does staying in there. And I stay out of there. Because it's not good early, it's not good late, it's only good in November during the rut, so that's when I'm going to roll the dice and go in there. But right, right. it's a small woods, you know, it's a small woods, and, and all it is is basically a big transition zone, that's all it is. I mean, those bucks transition through there, looking for does, and they do come through there at nighttime as they're moving from farm to farm, field to field, but a picture at two in the morning isn't doing you, me, or Steve, or Eric any good, so I mean, realistically, you know, it's just a good spot to be in during the rut because bucks are moving through there. And, and that's, I mean, basically that farm gets hunted two or three weeks a year and that's it. I mean, right. and you know, you just got to sometimes roll the dice and accept that, that that's when your farm's hot. I've brought this up before, uh, on, you know, the podcast and, and I've wrote about this. You got to figure out when your farm has a hot iron. And what I mean by that is some farms are good early and that's it. They, they, they fizzle out. Some, some farms are great late season because they've got cover, they've got food. Um, you know, some farms are just, just rut farms, but you got to figure out when the iron's hot on each specific farm you got. And when that farm heats up, you got to ride it out until it fizzles out. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the random bucks that move through a farm, my opinion, that tells me right off the bat, they're okay with being there, but they're not calling it home. But chances are they're going to be back once things start heating up and it's time to start looking for ladies. You know bucks are coming in there. I mean, because right. I'm going to assume that on your farm, there's probably lots of does. You have no problem getting doe pictures. It's just mature bucks perhaps is what you're lacking. Well, guess what? In November, when it's time to go eye pumping for does, there's going to be bucks there. Right, right. Well, Clint, like – I texted you a lot. Um, I picked up a property, and I'm hoping I still get to hunt it again this year. It's kind of on the fence. And I basically, yeah. it was like, the, remember that? It was like the last three weeks of season. I'm like, I've yep. never yep. hunted this property. I'm going to go throw up some stands. I would send you screenshots, and you're like, you know, I, I need a second opinion. I need it now. You're like, dude, go here. Check this place out. Yep. Go here. Check this place out. And I did, and there was deer there. You know, I trust your opinion. And what's funny is, the question I asked earlier about the sporadic trail cam pictures early in and during the season is, um, I asked that because I feel like that's a common thing, or it has been yeah. for people that hunt average property and smaller parcels. Um, so I think yep. a lot of people took a lot of good knowledge from that, so thanks for your answer. But it was funny, you described the property I hunt to a T. Like, it's a basically 
it's a transition area and I know that yep. it is and it sucks when it's your only farm to hunt. So you kind of are got to hold yourself back from hunting too much early season and late season. Yep. It's absolutely dead um, on that farm. But um, during the rut, I mean, that's how I killed my buck. Bad winds moved. Here he comes yep. right through the ravine, hot does in there, checking for hot does and six yards. You know, it's a, it's funny you not knowing what farm I was talking about. You just explained it to a T exactly what it was. Um, and that right there just proves your knowledge. Um, and so <laughs> people know that there's guys that have listened to this podcast a lot, guys and gals that have listened to you a lot and, and know, you know, your shit, but that just there, if you, if you've never listened to a, a podcast with Clint yet, I mean, that proves that he's, you have the experience you've done this before and uh you're no rookie to the game of patterning whitetails no rookie to the pony show that's right <laughs> whatever, well i, whatever I uh, I, uh <laughs> hey at least it wasn't a wrestling reference for him to get slapped again but anyways I <laughs> oh he saw that <laughs> I, I i i appreciate the kind word and uh honestly um you know it's been a lot of trial and error and a lot of I've spent a lot of days, hours, and nights awake scratching my head and going, you know, what in the hell am I doing? Why is this not working? What the heck? And just kind of taking a step back and looking at things. And from over time, um, from basically screwing up and making mistakes and learning on my own and doing stuff, um, that's the best teacher. You you cannot beat experience. I mean, I tell people that's all true. the time. You know, you can have the, you can have 800 lone wolf stands, wireless cameras from whoever, Browning, Covert, from Reconyx, whatever. You can have the greatest property in the world, but if you don't have the experience and you honestly just don't know what you're doing yet, unless you strike lucky gold every year, double, you know, triple sevens, which for me, that doesn't happen. Um, you're not going to be successful every year just because you don't know what moves to make, when to make them. And the best teacher is experience. And a lot of people get frustrated and they get pissed off and they quit doing something because they're not successful right away. Well, I'll tell you right now, anyone who's listening in that is getting into the bow hunting game and they just started frustration and sweat and tears and blood and whatever you want to call it, just flat out hard work. You have to go through that if you're going to be good at this game. Because I'll tell you right now, you might find success, you know, from time to time. But the average guy gets an opportunity to kill a big buck. The average guy will either kill a buck or gets the opportunity to kill a, a, a big buck. And by this big buck, they're actually talking 125, Pope and Young, 125 inches, once out of every six to seven years that's the average guy so if you want to be i'm going to use uh one of brian barney's terms if you want to be a next level bow hunter you want to take it up to the the, the next notch you want to be above average you want to be the guy that that everybody you know is like man that dude gets it done every year you've got to live and die by experience because you're not going to get lucky every year and have a big buck just walk by. I'm telling you, I've done it long enough. I know enough fantastic bow hunters. You guys know a bunch of good bow hunters. It, you don't just luck yourself into killing a big white tail and turkeys and muleys and elk and whatever else every single year with a bow. Yep. It just doesn't happen that way. And, and I sometimes mean, even all the experience in the world, you'll still come up dry, but 
Oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> but it also know. says though, like going to say, you can have, you could be bow hunting for thirty years. You might say, I have this all figured out. And next thing you know, you don't kill shit for three years. But part oh, of it absolutely. is not that you absolutely. couldn't have shot anything. It's it's your experience level. Sometimes you might not get an opportunity at anything mature, which is completely that's the name of the game. That's the way it is. Um, but it is. but then you know sometimes you're um, you kind of take yourself to a different level at the same time as and I went through that. I killed bucks every year, and then I went on a two year dry spell, and I'm like, "Fuck, what is going on? Like, can I not do this anymore?" Yep. And you, yep. th- it's like a weird cycle. You find yourself all over the learning curve, and the learning yep. curve for bow hunting is like gradual, 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 fucking steep. Get over yeah. that hump, yep. and then you think you're over the yep. hump, and next thing you know, you're back down at the beginning of the hump again. You're climbing that fucking learning curve, and then you're like, "Oh shit!" Like it just it keeps you. You never know at all. You never will. Yeah. But, yep experience helps you get it done like you're saying at the end of the day um but like you said you got to trust your experience and sometimes you just you're doing stuff and you don't know why you're doing it but your experience is like almost a subconscious thing Mm -hmm. in your decisions in bow hunting like i feel good about this spot whereas if you're a one or two year bow hunter in you're like i don't know i'll put a stand here and see what happens it's kind of what and and that's not always wrong either guess and check sometimes can help you out no oh i mean you know i've said this before and i'll say it again um, in plain words, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase and excuse my French, but you can mind fuck yourself right out of a big buck yeah, because yeah, you, definitely you can. start, yeah. you start, um, you know, you start to overthink and overanalyze and, and, you know, I always talk about guys that, that don't do enough and they don't pay attention to detail, but here's the deal. There's, there's also been times where I've paid too much attention and I should have been a little more aggressive, but I was so paranoid and so freaked out about the wind or about this or about that. I didn't go in and hunt a buck, but then I went in a week later and checked the cameras and holy shit, he was there three nights in a row on a wind that was iffy or he was there in a spot that I'd never thought he'd be in, but I had a camera there and guess what? My gut told me you should go there and hunt tonight. You know, he hasn't showed up for a week. Tonight could be the night. But you don't go there, and you should have went there because you overthought it because you're like, no, 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 you know, I need to go to this spot. Even though your gut's telling you to go to spot B, you're like, I got to go to spot A. You go check your camera, and guess what? He was on spot B for two nights in a row. I mean, so sometimes, you know, it's a flip side. You actually can can kind of, you know, screw yourself over by overanalyzing stuff. But there again, though, that just comes, you know, that that happens to everybody. I mean, I don't care if you've bow hunted 10 years, 30 years, 60 years. I mean, it's just, you know, every year is different. Every deer is different. Every animal is different. I mean, but experience, especially in early season for me is usually what punches tags versus what doesn't. I mean, just because, you know, I've got a system down and I do the homework and I know from experience sooner or later, most of the time those bucks are going to end up, panning into my game plan it's just a matter of okay are you going to be there and are you going to be able to get the job done when the opportunity arises and you know i feel like there's a lot of overlooked um mistakes like you know stuff that sometimes guys you know just don't think about that go on an early season and just a couple of them that come to the top of my head right off the bat is you know uh bad entry and exit routes i mean going yep. to and from your stand in early season, a buck has not really experienced 
human pressure for the most part, or at least you shouldn't have. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be running through your woods with your razor every three days, checking trail cameras. At least I'm not doing that. And I'm sure you guys probably aren't doing that, but you know, just stuff like that. I mean, not tipping them off before season starts, hunting bad winds, um, you know, not having a game plan, just, you know, blundering into your woods and throwing up stands and just, Oh, whatever, we're just going to go with it. You know, just, just common mistakes like that. Uh, I'm not a huge morning person in early season. And a lot of guys uh, ask me and they, they, you know, they'll talk about early season strategies. They, they hear me on your guys' podcast. They hear me there, you know, that they see me write about stuff and they're always like, man, you know, why don't you take advantage of hunting mornings? And my biggest thing with morning hunts real quick is, you know, you look at the trends and you look at when big bucks are killed early season and it's almost always evening. And a lot of that, in my opinion, has to do with because a lot of guys hunt crop fields and they're, and they're killing bucks in early season on farm country, um, crop, you know, over crop fields or close to crop fields. A lot of times you've got to walk through a field to get to where your tree stand is. Okay, so now you're a 150-inch 10-point that's feeding in a bean field and I'm coming across a, a, an adjacent bean field to get to my stand at four in the morning. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to see me walking over. You're going to go ahead and go down in the woods. Now you're tipped off that something weird just took place. And then let's say you come back that night or the next seven nights and I don't show up and you're going to scratch your head and wonder, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, or, I mean, you know, Hey, look, rookie. I mean, Morning hunts are hard to beat a deer back to his bed. So unless you've got the perfect backdoor, you know, entry in, in my opinion, you're really gambling with tipping off your deer. And, and it doesn't have to just be your target buck. Let's say you spook three does every morning. Well, they go blundering down through the woods, blowing and carrying on. Don't think a buck doesn't hear that and see that and understand something's wrong. Right. I mean, you know. So there again, I mean, shit like yeah. that. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, I hunt unless it is the absolute perfect scenario that I know I can beat a buck and the local deer herd back, which is rare, uh, to their bed and get in a tree. I don't even mess with mornings. I mean, evenings are where it's at early season. Same thing with late season. I just don't think the risk is worth the reward, but some guys do it and I'm sure, and I mean, I know, I know guys that ha that, you know, have killed big ones. Uh, actually about five or six years ago, I was on a big buck in, in the morning and actually missed him shot right over his back at 40 yards. Should have killed him third morning of season. It, it was me. I messed up. I just shot over him, but that was a very rare experience. That's the only buck to this day. I've ever hunted early season for a specific deer in the morning that is the only buck, and I'll be 29 in November, and I've been bow hunting since I was like 10 or 11. So, I mean, that's a pretty long list of years, and that is the only buck I've ever actually targeted and thought I could kill and had a good game, you know, game plan for in those you know, 19 years. I mean, so that's, you know, that's just me throwing out my stats, but, I mean, realistically, the morning hunts, morning hunts are rough. I mean, they are. But as a smart bow hunter with experience, You've got to come to grips with that and accept that for what it is. I mean, you can't make lemonade out of apples. That's what I always say. I mean, 
and you just you can't do it you know you <laughs> you got to accept what's there right right well i mean i also think too is like i i'm a big fan of bill winky and stuff and he made a he kind of said a quote he's like you know if this has to do a lot with your like entry and exit how you said is you know entry and exit can make a huge difference in what you're doing especially like in the mornings but he said you know if you're if your main game plan to hunt a whitetail looks like a football play something you're doing something wrong it should be simple yep. entry, simple exit is a, a, yep. a, a big key. And especially for me, only hunting 30-ish acres, my entry and exit, I have one stand I access through creek water. Um, I yep. always wear rubber boots. I walk through the water, yep. and that tree Absolutely. is on the creek. I walk up the creek bank, yep. and I grab the tree to get myself. I grab one of the tree sticks to help me get out of the creek. Like I literally yep. am on the ground two foot to where they could actually catch my scent. I'm only going in when the wind direction's right. On the opposite end of this property, I access from a main road, and I I rake my way in. I I walk 10 foot in, and then I rake all the leaves out to bare dirt, and then the wind's correct. That's what I access quietly to my stand. Right up to it is raked. Um, And that's basically that entire property, honestly, um, because it's so small. Yeah, And, and, and I mean... Some properties only have, you know, one good area to actually get in and get out of and hunt effectively without blowing all the deer out. And and you've got to be disciplined enough like you are to accept that and, and not push the envelope and just say, okay, th- this is it. This is the, this is the highest percentage place I can be in. I can only hunt it on these winds and I can only hunt it in a morning or an evening or whatever. And that's, that's your game plan. I mean, and you've got to stick with that because you know, in your head, if you go outside of that box, you're putting yourself in danger and you're, you're really, really, really rolling the dice and the risk probably isn't going to be worth the reward. And back on Bill Winky, that guy, um, for anyone that that's, that's listening that has not read his stuff or been to a seminar, all I mean, that dude, that guy has taught me more. He, he, he is one of the, the inspirations that, that wanted to make me get into freelance bow hunting um, as far as, as, as being a writer and a freelance writer um, in, in the bow hunting world, whether it's you know doing podcasts, blogs, articles, magazine stuff. That guy is a wealth of knowledge, and he breaks everything down in – simple, simple terms that you can understand. And he, he, he is a very, 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 um, simple guy, you know, everything he does and in his writing, you'll see he's not, you know, he's not one of these guys that, that presses the envelope or tries to make white, black and black, white. He takes what's there and uses the best of his ability to make it work with, but staying within bounds and what i mean by that is is, you know if he's hunting a buck on a farm that he knows his chance of killing him is only seven is 70 percent in the evening and only a 30 percent shot in the morning i will i will speak for bill right now he will not be hunting mornings i'll guarantee it because that guy puts himself in position where the highest percentage possible is to kill a mature whitetail and this is why the dude kills giants every year and he kills them on farms that it's not 5,000 acres of managed ground. It's not, you know, he doesn't own 10,000 acres. I mean, he does it on 
knocking on doors. And yeah, he's got some of his own farms, absolutely. But he's not a guy that owns 20,000 acres in Illinois and Iowa, and he's able just to go and manage and farm and yada, yada, yada. I mean, micro, you know, you look him up, he's talking about micro food plots and hunting funnels and hunting bottlenecks and knocking on doors and getting permission. And I mean, that is a, you know, we talk about uh, blue collar, you know, working class bow hunters right there. That is a dude that fits that bill hundred percent. And I got mad props, mad respect. Every time I see bill at a show or see somewhere, we always have a good conversation. And I tell him every single time, man, I can't thank you enough because that guy is one of the few that inspired me to get into writing and get into doing all the stuff that I do just because he puts it in terms that every guy can understand whether you're a rookie or you're a dude that's been hunting for 30 years, you will pick up knowledge um, you know, you'll pick up knowledge from him and, and it's easy to understand. And he's big, super big. I've read 20 different articles from him about entry and exit routes and, you know, mapping out your stands and, you know, just, I mean, he's, he's a very basic guy, but everything that guy writes or says you need to be keeping inside the back of your head because I mean, the dude has got it down packed. He's, he's just one of them guys that, through experience and through the years, I mean, he has got a system down, and that system produces every year, without a doubt, hundred percent. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you're not a fan of Bill Winky, look him up. Midwest Whitetail's great. Um, oh yeah, creeks and ditches is awesome. Um, yep. We covered a lot in this episode. I think um, for a lot of people that even even if you're a really experienced bow hunter, it's good to hear this stuff again. Like for me, I always listen with fresh ears because I'm like. Or you know you got to stick to the key points and the key tactics, and this is the stuff that you know will make you successful. Um, it's easy to get overexcited and uh, kind of want to push too hard early in the morning, yeah. like you were saying, especially yep. or on a small yep. property. Uh, you're better off hunting smart than hunting a shit ton. Um, yep, absolutely. If you had to break down, so we had on here um, like wind direction, moon phase. And why you should live by them both. Uh, you kind of touched a little bit on it earlier um, with how you take the notes with your trail camera photos on when a deer's moving yep. where. Um, yep. is, is that something, wind direction, moon phase? Uh, is it, do you want to go into that just a little bit further here before we close up? Or is there something that we haven't covered that you'd like to cover before that? Yeah, I mean, just something real quick that I, I like to always remind guys of is, you know, don't think that early season deer – um, are always on what I'm going to call the major food sources, um, beans, alfalfa. Don't forget, you've got oaks dropping, your white oaks that are, you know, the preferred favorite because they're sweeter. You got apple trees, pear trees, you got persimmon trees. I mean, you got beech trees, honey locusts. Um, I've killed deer off of blackberry, briar leaves. I mean, you know, don't forget the hidden gems that are only available for a month or so that those deer that basically like a sweet treat. I mean, think of it as this every day you eat rice and, and chicken and corn, but all of a sudden one day your mom brings over, um, blackberry pie. Guess what? You're going to go off your normal routine of what you've been eating and you're going to go eat some of that apple, you know, that apple or blackberry pie, whatever it is. It's the same thing with deer. Deer might be on a clover alfalfa and bean diet all year long, but guess what? When that pear tree starts dropping over the hill or an apple orchard down the road starts dropping apples, 
they're going to go there because they can only get that food source one short window of the year. That's the only time they're going to get that stuff. So I always tell people, you know, don't forget to key in on the little hidden gem food sources that are only available, you know, for a, a quick amount of time. Apple trees, pear trees, you know, persimmon trees, you got beech trees, you know, your, your, your black, um, blackberry briars, the leaves on those, you know, they're really, really tender there in the fall. Um, as far as wind and the moon, everybody knows. I, I mean, I'm really good friends with Adam Hayes. He's pretty much coined the, you know, the, the moon phrase. I mean, um, his moon guide. I'm not a salesman. I don't try to sell products. Everybody knows that. But that guy, he, he, he owns, um, he owns the, the, the moon phase dial. Um, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it will let you know from day to day what the moon phase is. And it, it grades every day out, A, B, or C, and explains where a guy should be hunting. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've lived and died by the moon phase. And my last three bucks, two of which have been my biggest ever, have all died on days when it was a gray day, red moon phase day. The sun is dropping and the moon is rising and those bucks were on their feet. Last year, my buck that I killed, up until the day I killed him, he had not been in good daylight for almost two weeks. And he was feeding in clover on a secluded food plot in front of me at 6.30. Daylight or dark time here is about 7.30. I mean, I shot this deer 45 minutes before it was even getting close to last light, and I had a 140 feeding at 5.30 on that food plot that night. Beforehand, that was a younger buck, probably a three- or four-year-old deer that I, I wasn't even targeting. But I'm telling you, the moon phase is huge. Follow that moon phase there's a million articles on it. There's a million things online. I mean, I don't have enough time in an hour-long podcast to go into detail and explain what Adam's taught me over the years and what I've learned about the moon phase. But anyone listening, do yourself a favor. Look up the moon phase. Look up Adam Hayes. The guy's got it down to a science. Maybe we'll I mean, do a podcast. I swear by it. Yep. Oh, I'm telling you, when, when we can do that. Well, I, I will, we can do that 100%. He's right here in Ohio. He's two hours south of me. The guy's got four bucks over 200 inches with a bow, all on, you know, no ranches, no high fence. I mean, the dude just flats out gets it done. Uh, touching on wind direction real quick. Everybody knows I'm a big wind freak. I don't care what time of the year, but especially early season, these bucks have not really been pressured or they shouldn't have been pressured at all all summer. Wind is big. I mean, the minute they start to smell a human or figure out something's wrong, once or twice, that's all it's going to take to tip them off. That hunting season's here, and it's time to go into deep cover. It's time to not come out in daylight. So I'm, you know, I'm big on, uh, big on the wind, big on the moon. Everybody knows that. Uh, I live and die by both of them, and that just goes back from experience. I mean, I've pushed the envelope and hunted bucks on the wrong wind and got busted, and they've disappeared, and I've never seen them again. And that's happened enough times to tell me from experience you can't do it. You, it's just, it's not, not worth it. You can't do it. You, you don't want to push the envelope when it comes to the wind. You can fool their eyes. You can fool their ears. I'm telling you right now, 99.999% of the time, you will not fool their nose. And I will stand by that. I don't care what clothing you're wearing. I don't care what you got in a tree sitting above you, what kind of scent control method. That wind is wrong and a buck's coming up to you with a wrong wind. Chances are you're going to get busted. Uh, Real quick, I'm just going to throw this out there for all my homeboys out there that's got old ladies and girlfriends and whatnot. 
a uh, little bit of uh, dating tips during early season. Love it. You, you guys want to keep your dates, keep your, uh, keep your, you know, your, your, uh, your little date nights. We're going to call them. Do it in the morning. You need to go to breakfast. Forget morning hunting. <laughs> breakfast. You need dates. to do your hunting. You Take her out to Denny's. Dates. Get her a, a goddamn grand slam. Absolutely. Brunch. And hey, it, breakfast is good. Breakfast is good. It's cheap. Instead of getting a T-bone, you order her the sampler platter for breakfast. It's like nine ninety nine. I mean, it start your morning off, you go to breakfast, you, you, know, you hang out, you do whatever, you take a nap from about two until four, you got your belly full, and then you go hunt the evening. I mean, don't schedule these, these dinner dates and these movie dates in the evenings. You need to do them in the morning. The mornings are where it's at. I mean, that's 100%, you know, Clint's dating tip of the week in early season. Do not <laughs> set your dates up. Do not set your dates up at 7.30 on October 2nd. That's a terrible time. Don't do that. Instead, go out to breakfast that morning or go catch a noon movie. Don't do it, you know, later on. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to help all my buddies out because I've been there. I've done that. And you end up single whenever you tell them, guess what, babe? Uh, the wind's out of the north. The barometer is rising and the temperature is dropping. And instead of going on a date tonight, I need to go hunt the uh, wide 10. So I'll see you at 9. You come back, and there's a note on the door that says, go F yourself. I mean, I've been there. I've done that. I understand it. So I'm just trying to help you listeners out and let you know from experience what's worked for me and what hasn't. Do your dates in the morning. Do your dates in the morning, and you'll have a happier life, happier wife. Hopefully, you kill more deer. That's awesome. There you go. Great tip. That's the best tip of the whole episode right there. Hey, I, I mean, I'm just trying to keep everybody happy. Keep keep the wives happy that might be tuning in and listening and keep my fellas from having to be that guy that's you know having to be that four-year-old buck that's going from bar to bar not saying that's a bad thing but i mean oh and also too when you're when you're uh you know we talked about um when you're doing your eye pumping make sure if you're out with your old lady and you are doing a little bit of scouting you're doing a little bit of eye pumping make sure she's not watching you do your eye pumping because that will totally mess up the entire game plan for everything so try to keep that <laughs> incognito, you know, try to keep the eye pumping to a minimum when you're out with your old lady, but keep it in the back of your mind where you saw all the women at the bars at. That way, if you are single two years down the road, you know where you need to be. <laughs> right. Love it. Absolutely. There you go. It. Clint, you are the man. You really are. The, this episode, I think, is a lot of valuable information. For me, I, I take notes every time, um, and these are episodes that can be played back, especially, you know, coming – August, you know, is coming mm-hmm. up yep. and you can replay these again in September, right before season starts. And, um, I just, hopefully everyone kind of listened to this and maybe made some mental notes, like some notes down on how they're going to approach trail cameras, entry and exit. And, uh, you know, early season hunting. Let yeah. us know if, uh, you took anything away from it. Email us working class at gmail.com. We're all over social media. Check out the website, brand new shirts, working class Shameless plug. Check out the blog as well, Clint's yeah. blog. Montana Bound is the new one. Um, awesome blog. Great photos along with the blog. Um, and then check us all out on social media. Uh, you can find it all through WorkingClassBowhunter.com, WorkingClassBowhunter on Facebook, at WorkingClassBowhunter on Instagram, Snapchat, WCB Podcast on Snapchat. Uh, Clint, you want to shout out your social media real quick? Yeah, I mean, you, I'm Casper Clint on uh, Instagram, and you can find me. Just type in uh, Clint Casper on uh, Facebook, and you know, like the fellow said, 
we're all over the place, the blog, the podcast. So, uh, you know, big things coming and uh, a lot of good stuff in the future. Got some great guests uh, and some great uh, blog ideas and stuff coming up. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and coin the phrase, you know, hey, don't chase uh, your liquor, chase your dreams and go shoot your bow. That's how I'm going to so I'm going to close this one out. All right. I think that's well said. I don't even need to say the go shoot your bow. We love yeah. you. Thanks for listening. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.